Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Since the fall of man, a war has raged between good and evil. Over the centuries, this war has distorted the truth. Now the truth is perceived as lies, and lies acknowledged as truth. To this day, the battle continues as we investigate and debate the truth behind the history and mystery of the universe. We are Paratruth Radio. From alien invasions to the impending apocalypse, from government cover-ups to the monkey man of Delhi. Today, we uncover some truth to the epidemic known as mass hysteria. Now Paratruth presents Parahysteria with special guest co-host Kay Carswell. What's up, folks? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we are, of course, once again, very happy to be here with you tonight. Always. We hope you're all having a wonderful evening, a wonderful weekend, and I hope you're looking forward to a great and wonderful week ahead, as it is Sunday night. I know it sucks that tomorrow's Monday, but hey, that just means we'll step closer to the next episode of Paratruth Radio. Yeah. I mean, my my Monday starts on Saturday, so I don't even want to hear people's, I've got the Mondays. (laughs) Oh, man. So today's topic is interesting, I think, because we've done topics similar to this in a sense. uh, And sometimes it's really difficult to come up with strong explanations, Mm. uh, you know, to to, to just to explain this type of – well, this topic that we're going to be covering today, and we're going to be covering mass hysteria. Now, there's a couple of different views on mass hysteria, and I think depending on who it is that's discussing it, their perspectives might differ from others. Uh, and of course, I think when we think of mass hysteria, one of the most important things is just how widespread mass means mm. in hysteria, you know, Uh because some people will say, oh, an entire school, you know, was on the same boat about something weird. Uh, and they consider that mass hysteria. But others will say, well, no, it has to be statewide or countrywide, et cetera, et cetera, to be mass hysteria. So I think those are the kind of things we're going to be covering today. Uh, <clears throat> but that's just to give you guys a little heads up on what we're going to be discussing. Of course, we do have one of our good friends, special guest co-host today, Kay Carswell. So she'll be joining us in just a little while here to discuss this mass hysteria thing. Um, but first and foremost, Justin, before we get into this and before we get Kay on the phone, I just want to ask you, in regards to mass hysteria over your lifetime, are there any particular moments in history that stand out to you that you witnessed as mass hysteria? Nothing that sticks out at the top of my head in my lifetime. Um, I guess it just kind of depends on the definition of mass hysteria as well. Because like you said, typically you think big groups, but in my opinion, you could have three to four different people and 
that's still considered mass hysteria because it's more than one person. Right. But well, as far as in my in my own personal history, not off the top of my head, I can't think of any. Okay. <clears throat> well, I'll mention one, maybe two that you'll probably it'll spark to mind. Uh, one in particular is nine eleven World Trade Centers. Uh, some mass you know mass hysteria at the point of which people were confused, you know, at the time and curious mm-hmm. as to who had done it. And they started pointing fingers and some were blaming the government. Some were blaming, uh, you know, a, a couple of different foreign countries. Uh, some were just saying that it was just, you know, a terrorist of our own nation who is uh, fighting against the, the freedom of the people, basically. It's a bunch of weird stuff. And I think at that time there was a lot of mass hysteria. Uh, people jumped to conclusions and people were too worried, you know, about all kinds of stuff, not just – about whether or not to get on an airplane, but whether or not they should walk out the door. I know there is yeah. a time where, for a while where people just locked themselves in the house for weeks on end because they're too scared to leave. Um, Along with the, the anthrax attacks that happened after that. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's one example from our lifetime uh, for mass hysteria. Another Again, I guess would... it just defend, depends on your definition of mass hysteria because technically spe- speaking, I guess, yeah, that would be mass hysteria because of what happened after that. But the, the actual event, I wouldn't say mass hysteria per se. Well, no, you can't explain an actual event per se to be mass hysteria because it takes a moment to start to uh, allow the dust to settle yeah. in, in a sense and uh, really grip the bounds of where you're at and where you're standing in a situation. Uh, yeah, so – and then another mass hysteria, which I think is uh, a little more modern, if you will, today and more – Current in our history would be, of course, the election of Donald Trump. Now, of course, you know, people are walk, running around with their heads cut off like, you know, like a chicken with their head cut off, <laughs> freaking yeah. out about ah, nah, nah, Donald Trump. Nah, nah. Now, quite frankly, I can care less who's in office because, you know, I tend to be negative. I think we're going to fail no matter who goes in office. Well, and but, I've said this to numerous people. This election was just a huge and cluster. Well, yeah, I was going to say shit yeah. show. Excuse well, the language, folks. But, um, it, I mean, it didn't matter who was, who got in. I mean, you could say Hillary was better than Trump. People say Trump is better than Hillary. And I've told numerous people this at the beginning. I was going for Trump, but then he wanted to run his mouth. And it's like, okay, that just went out the window. I'm, I'm done with all of you people. You're not going to be worth my time for right. the, for the country. So, well, and the issue is like now that we're, we're talking about mass hysteria, and in this sense, there's so many different views on what Donald Trump is and what he represents. You know, some people out there in, in regards to the Christian uh, side of things, you know, some people are calling him an antichrist or the antichrist. And it's like, yeah, you know, there, there's quite a few things that need to lead up to that event, and we're nowhere close to there yet. I think uh, I think one thing that I can actually comment on this is BDK from Omega Frequency Radio had posted something on Facebook, that, and he basically stated, you know, from a Christian view, everybody's going to always say the next president is the Antichrist right. and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, I mean, you, you can label him an Antichrist, but he's not, I mean, obviously he's not the Antichrist. The world's not coming to an end yet. Right. <laughs> yeah, we're not there yet. But even still, even, you know, let, let, let's say, all right, so he isn't the Antichrist. We're going to just lay that out, all right? I'm not going to say he is or he isn't, but he isn't. Yeah, you still have people. 
that makes sense. I just no. I, I like. I'm, we're not going to say he is or he isn't, but he isn't. Okay, so <laughs> so moving on. <laughs> It'd make much more sense for those of you who actually read the Book of Revelation and study it, not just read you know the the top of <laughs> of the word. You know, you need to dig in a bit. But uh, you know, aside from the Christians, let's look at the uh, LGBTQ community, for example. Here, here's another side of a certain people group who are just falling into mass hysteria because they believe, for whatever reason, that. In a sense, not not necessarily literally, but in a sense, Trump is going to be coming out of the gate with his axe, wielding it, ready to chop down lesbians and gays throughout the entire country. And then and this and that, you know, so on and so forth. It's like, guys, chill the heck out. Like, relax. It's it's nothing like you think it is, you know. You Going one step further with that is all of these high school students that were trying to get off. I don't know if they were, like, trying to get out of school, but they were – trying to get special counseling because mm-hmm. Donald Trump was elected. Did you yeah. see that? Yeah, I did see that. And you know what? And, <laughs> and that is kind of a mass hysteria kind exactly. of a thing. It is. And jumping back to our 9-11 thing, because this is funny. I was on Facebook a few days ago and I saw a meme. And some of you listening might have seen the meme. You might have too, Justin. But it was a meme that showed uh, a couple of the, the Twin Towers mm. with a plane flying into them and then showed a couple of school students. And they're like, the meme is something like, uh, today, high school students need therapy because of Trump. Our generation or whatever uh, watched hundreds of people jump out of a tower to their death, and we're still standing here perfectly okay today. It's like the country, the nation has weakened. The children are weak. They're they're wusses. Simple as that. You know, they have no backbone anymore. Yeah. Well, I – had just made the comment to today to a fellow colleague that uh, the following generation, I'm not too confident that we're going to be around much longer, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Oh, you know, the founding fathers are rolling over in their graves like, oh, this is who we're leaving the country to? The founding right. fathers have been rolling in their graves for at for least a oh, hundred like- years. <laughs> For the last hundred years, though, at least it's been on their fingertips. Now they're just going to drop the ball, like, uh, whatever. Uh, anyway, folks, uh, mass hysteria. We're going to get into this in just a moment here. But first, let's go to the line with our good friend, Kay Carswell. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me on again. Thanks for How being been, on. Kay? Yeah. I love it. I love coming on with you guys. Hi, everybody that's listening. <laughs> how, how, how have you been lately, Kay? Uh, I've been doing all right. I've been battling the, the flu bug and all that, mm-hmm. but I think everybody that's... up here has. I think so, that's, yeah, all around, yeah. I mean, I've been okay, but I know a lot of people that are battling that bug as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's yep. like everyone you know up here has it. and I'm still getting my voice back, but... It's coming back. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that kind of goes along the lines of mass hysteria. It's mass, at least. <clears throat> That's for sure. <laughs> Everywhere. Well, in a sense, actually, I mean, every time around the same time, you know, during the year, is in particular winter. Once flu bug season comes around, I swear every single person I see on Facebook is saying, "Oh, I think I'm sick. I think I'm sick." <laughs> You're not sick. You should just stop it. 
you're thinking yourself into being sick. Like, yeah. You could pass someone and they'd be on the other side of the street. I mean, they could pass them on opposite sides of the street and they would still think that they had the flu bug. Mm. Yep. You know, they'll Crazy. say, oh, I feel feverish. Or if you get the flu, you know you've got the flu. Mm. Right. There's yeah. no I think. You know. Well, and I don't encourage anybody to ever go get the flu vaccine because I don't, I actually don't believe in that. I mean, unfortunately, you're, they're, injecting you with the previous year's uh, bacteria and you're not fighting the current one because it always mutates. So sorry to tell you guys, whoever gets the flu shot, it doesn't work. Sorry. (laughs) There's over 5,000 different strains of flu. And more happening every year. Right. And they don't know exactly which one is going to hit during the winter. Yeah. So, I mean, you'd have a better chance of probably hitting, hitting the lottery. Well, it's, it, it is a hit or miss, but it's one of those where they find the most common strands and they typically inject you with the most common. Um, but, of course, there are the possibility of getting them a few rarer uh, bugs. But uh, I don't know. I, I've, heard, I've heard both sides. I've heard people who've been getting uh, the vaccine for years and years and years, and they very rarely ever get the flu. And then on the other hand, there's people who get it, you know, time and time again, and yet they constantly get the flu. So it's, I think it's really just a hit or miss. It can go either way depending on how the body, uh, I guess, commits to it or rejects the virus. See, Eric, that's just what they want you to think. Uh, yeah, see, this is, this is, this is master stereo right here. You're just trying to get people freaking out. They do. And I mean, looking into this master stereo, you find out that a lot of it is propagated through the media. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, what you see on TV and you hear on the radio. And and I remember just maybe five years ago, they had this one flu that was attacking older people and about 15 through 18-year-olds. And people were lining up to get this vaccination. And it was ridiculous here. I mean, they'd say, well, they'd ran out of it, and they'd order mm. so much more. And we had people that were panicking about it because it was so bad. And I think we had a couple deaths in Indiana, but they were making it sound like oh. every kid that got it yeah, absolutely. elderly was going to die. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's messed up. To me, that is another form of fear porn. I yeah, absolutely, and I I think that the the media is a huge part of mass hysteria. But uh, before we get too far into it, uh, I know you wanted to give everybody the the definition of hysteria. Yeah, um, it's really interesting uh, when you look into it. Oh, boy. I lost it already. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, I love being on with you guys. Okay. Now, in sociology and psychology, mass hysteria, it's a phenomenon that will send a group of ideas or threats, and it will travel through the populace. Mm. So... It it spreads like wildfire. And then in medicine, it's the term hysteria is used 
as far as something spontaneous happening, like we were just talking about the flu, Mm -hmm. where it will manifest in a person physically. Mm. And another type of hysteria happens when a group of people believe they're suffering from a similar disease. Um, Sometimes it's referred to as mass uh, psychogenic illness or epidemic hysteria. Again, that kind of goes in with the flu and um, some other diseases. Mm-hmm. So it, and it's so prevalent now. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's almost psychosomatic for a lot of different diseases. Like, and, and this could be just like, like what people call sympathy pains. That's, it's a psychosomatic reaction. So you feel like you're either sick or you're, for example, maybe your wife's pregnant and you're craving food and you're like, oh, it's psychosomatic. Well, yes and no. I mean, you're craving food, but maybe you're just fat. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) There is a name for that. My ex-husband, when I was pregnant with all three of our boys, he would get a belly. He would have morning sickness. Hmm. He had all the symptoms that I had. Once I had the kids, the belly went away. Huh. Interesting. It wasn't so much the cravings because uh, some of my cravings were pretty weird. I like pizza with pickles, and <laughs> that just kind of turned his stomach. So <laughs> it wasn't the cravings, but as far as him actually growing into looking like he was pregnant, and feeling like it, I thought it was kind of interesting. I've never I heard thought, somebody going through that much of a psychosomatic change, no? Yeah, it does happen, and I'd never seen it. You know, I'd heard of one thing here or there, but not with so much. Right. So, beware, guys. <laughs> Your wife gets pregnant, you're going to look like it, too. <laughs> well, I'm already getting there, so. Um, <laughs> Shelly's pregnant? No, 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 no. I just look like I'm getting pregnant. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Eric, we'll start with you about what kind of stuff did you come across with this for, like, different cases and, and other than what we mentioned earlier with right. stuff that's been happening recently. Right, right, right. Well, you know, there's there's been quite a few different documented cases uh, dating all the way back to the 1500s uh, in which mass hysteria has played a significant role in human history. And some of them, which I'm not going to mention on air because it's a little, little, little weird. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to say it, but I can, I'll talk to you guys about it on break. <laughs> uh, but there's some that are just interesting. Like there's this one particular uh, they call it the dancing plague of 1518 mm-hmm. in which in which it was a case of just dancing mania that occurred in Strasbourg France now apparently uh, numerous people took to dancing for days without rest and it really began in July of 1518 when a woman named Frau Trophy began to dance fervently in in the middle of the street as days went on between four or six days more and more people began to join them. 34 people, then 40 people, et cetera, et cetera. Eventually, there were around 400 dancers after a month worth of dancing, and they were all just continuously dancing day and night. Uh, 
many of the people, unfortunately, had eventually died from heart attack, stroke, or just complete exhaustion. <clears throat> now, historical documents included in uh, or including physician notes and cathedral sermons, local and regional chronicles, and even notes issued to Strasbourg City Council are clear that the victims did indeed dance during that time, and that the victims did die because of the excessive dancing. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, there's very little as to why the dancing really began, or why this woman, Frau Trophy, began dancing. But nonetheless, for some reason, it caught on and it spread pretty wide stream. Uh, it's pretty crazy. It's weird, you know? Yeah. And now, uh, whether or not that's considered mass hysteria, because we don't know what the hysteria is in this case, because uh, we don't have an exact source, it, it's interesting, you know, how people just kind of, oh, that person's doing something. I should do it too, you know? Yeah. They look at it like it's the norm for them. Mm-hmm. I don't think some of them realize that. And there's almost a connection between all of them as far as the psychological aspect. Would someone have been dancing that had a strong personality or would did these people more or less follow along, you know, like follow the leader type of thing to where right. they could be influenced more? <laughs> right. Well, and I don't know if you guys have ever heard this uh particular theory before i came across it years ago that you know putting people into insane asylums actually makes them turn more insane because they are surrounded by it and therefore in a sense it infects them which makes them even more insane and that can fall under the lines of this mass hysteria uh phenomenon and it just hearing that one story makes you wonder, was Mrs. Uh, Trophia mentally ill? <laughs> and she just started dancing in the middle of the street and then just, quote unquote, infected these people? Possibly. I, I think that's a a kind of 50-50 possibility. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see that. Uh, the one that uh, actually piqued my interest I mean, there are a couple, but one that Eric and I have wanted to do a show on for a little while is the Salem Witch Trials. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people that believe that, well, the, the ones that started the whole witch trials, they believed they were hunting down witches and doing it for the greater good of Christianity and how much fear they put into the entire populace that it turned into a mass hysteria where people were constantly being accused of being witches and how many innocents really truly died just because of that. It took them a long time to come around knowing that these people weren't witches. Mm -hmm. And it was just a story made up that the kids were forced to pretty much come up with something or be punished. And so the kids would say, well, you know, they were doing this and they were doing that. And that was it. Yeah. And it did spread. Everybody thought, oh, no, we've got witches. Yeah. No, and I mean that it could be possible that there is a spiritual aspect to that. 
but it still falls along the lines of mass hysteria as well. Very much so. So One of the cases. Go ahead. Yep. I'm sorry. I'd seen the movie on the Salem witches. Oh, okay. And it was fascinating. I mean, it started to win. It went completely back to the beginning with Abigail Williams and um, her sister and Elizabeth. And they were only 9 and 11, and they were the ones that started to have fits. Mm. And they screamed, and the doctor blamed it on the supernatural. And back then, there I mean, that was kind of before the whole mental institution started taking over where it was blamed more on supernatural or metaphysical compared to mental illness and disease. So, yeah, I mean, in in regards to just uh, medical science, you know, it's come a long way since then. Mm -hmm. And we're thinking back, you know, back in the 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 1300s, et cetera, et cetera. When we look around the world, we see a lot of cases in which uh, people blame the supernatural or the paranormal. And we've talked about this numerous times on our show, and I'm sure, Kay, you've talked about it on your show. But And I, I'm sorry to bring it up again, folks, but you know how I am. But you think of the werewolf, for example, you know, and it could be anything. It could be werewolf, it could be vampires, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. They all come from a base source of some kind of psychological problem uh, or, or mental disorder, I should say, not problem, uh, that someone has. And because they didn't have – uh, doctors didn't have a correct or exact way of science to figure out that this person was simply ill. They stated, oh, this person is a werewolf. And, of course, that creates mass hysteria because the werewolf then spreads the legend. That and vampires spread. And it comes over to the Americas eventually. And now we have different legends in America, up in Wisconsin and down in North Carolina, et cetera, et cetera, in which werewolves exist supposedly. Um, and it's interesting because we still see that happening today. In a slightly different and twisted manner, um, but regardless, you know, pe- people are always looking for some kind of fear factor, something to really jolt the nation or the people around them uh, to get moving. And unfortunately, as we were talking about earlier with the media, that's why the media in America, anyway, uh, uses fear so much because people like it. People will tell you they hate it, and yet they continue to tune into the news. You know. Yeah. People feed off of fear. They enjoy that that scare tactic, you know, and so the, the media continues to use it because it's money. It's almost like an adrenaline rush for people. Mm-hmm. And I've never quite understood that. I, I don't like to be afraid. Well, I'm not afraid. There's That's just it. I'm not afraid. Yeah. But um, I don't understand it. You know, why would someone enjoy being – well, look who I'm talking to. You guys go to the fear fest. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, just going out of your way. And mm-hmm. I think that the government does it a lot of time to control the masses. Again, it's that magician's trick. Hey, look over here. This is what's happening. But on the other hand, is actually doing something else. And, I mean, a lot of governments around the world have done that for centuries. Mm-hmm. Get people whipped up into a frenzy, and they can pretty much do whatever they want. Yeah. Right. You know, I was uh, – I found a case, and I remember this. Back in 1994, 
um, a woman in Riverside, California. Her name was Gloria Ramirez, and she'd been suffering from uh, cervical cancer. And she took really ill, and they brought her to the hospital in an ambulance. And she had this strange, toxic odor about her. And everyone that came in contact with her or tried to draw blood, they fainted. And I remember the news story on that. And they would draw, they drew her blood and they looked at it and there were these little white things that were floating in the blood, uh, like a manila-like substance. But they never followed up on the story. And then you started picking up different places where they would, would say, well, there was another person checked in that had this. And then they would drop the story. They would never give a conclusion to it. There was no end. So the people that were watching that wondered, well, we live in Riverside. Is that contagious? What is that? And people were getting really upset and worked up. So Hmm. medically, you know, what what was this? The, The woman, she died. She never left the hospital. And I remember the scenes. They took her out of the ambulance they ended up putting the like white hazmat suits on Mm -hmm. to deal with her but when they got her in there not everybody was in them in them and those are the ones that started to pass out Mm -hmm. that would be weird yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's all weird (laughs) it is (laughs) you can see all the doctors and nurses are passing out well you know there's something wrong yeah Right. Well, and it's interesting that you said that they didn't follow up on the story. And so you never really – and no one ever really found out what had happened to this particular woman, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to question, you know, is this uh, – there's a couple of different ways to look at it. You know, you got to wonder if it's a tactic uh, for the news network or whoever was covering it uh, to purposely drop it. That way to get people more interested and hence get on their website, create more – feedback and more circulation within their website well, or wherever, the, anywhere. Yeah, there wasn't much of the internet really wasn't. All right. Well, then they got people just talking, spreading news. You know, you still got people mm-hmm. interested in tuning into the radio, tuning in the television, wherever to try to get more news. And so they're still making money off of you because you're, you're reaching out. You're trying to hear more information. So you're tuning in every single day. Right. Uh, another option is that there's something really crazy going on and they decided whoever uh, was in charge decided to cut uh, the story because maybe it would have created a much larger uh, hysteria issue if they continued on the story and they thought maybe hey if we just drop it now maybe people will kind of forget about it and we can continue to study this and figure out the cause without freaking a bunch of people out they tried to say it was toxic contamination but there were 12 other people that were reported that ended up with the same, but you never heard their fate. Who report? Who reported those then? I mean, like, who was that? Just people coming out and saying that they uh, that they had the same symptoms, or was it actually the news network that was bringing up these 12? Or it was the news network, but they wouldn't give specifics. But they they were in the hospital. They were. And when this um, Ramirez, she first went in, they ended up having to evacuate 
the emergency room. Mm -hmm. But these other cases ended up at the hospital too. But again, the amount of information coming out was so minute that you didn't know what was going on. Hmm. I can remember that. And to this day, I still wonder exactly what that was about. It's definitely interesting. You know, it's obviously we don't have any answers and it's something that like for you, Kay, will, will might always all may always be on your mind. Um, and unfortunately, it's times like this in which you just kind of, you know, you got you got to kind of try to let go and move on. Like, okay, well, maybe it just happened to be, you know, somehow, somewhere the story got lost for whatever reason. Maybe something else overtook the story, you know, some a better, uh, stronger story. Uh, but, you know, like here we are today in 2017. It's hard to say. We, we may not even have the same witnesses around anymore who had witnessed it. Uh, and it's unfortunate, but, you know. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, before we get too much further into it, we're going to take our first break here. You've been listening to Paratruth Radio. We will be right back with our good friend Kay Carswell talking about mass hysteria after Eric's random fact of the day. Now, Eric's random fact of the day. What's up, Parrot fans? Have you ever had a toothache? Perhaps you suffer from one now. Regardless, did you know that according to German legend, there is a safe and effective way to soothe a toothache? According to factslides.com, there is a German legend which was developed in the Middle Ages which proposed that one option for getting rid of a toothache was to simply kiss a donkey. That's right, kiss a donkey. So, the next time your tooth is giving you trouble, just look for the nearest donkey. And hey, give him a kiss. This was All right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Okay. Oh, and I'm Kay. Helps if I unmute the button, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've been talking about mass hysteria, and we got into a couple of cases. And Eric and I had talked a little bit earlier before we got Kay on about, uh, you know, nine eleven. We talked about the whole Trump issue going on right now, even you know today. Uh, one topic that I wanted to bring up is the. Issue still going on here in North Dakota is the the uh, Dapple Pipeline issue that's going on with the Native tribes and the Dapple uh, company, and it's caused so much of a ruckus. And I'm not saying that it's not an issue, but it has caused people to choose sides. And instead of looking at it as a whole they choose one side or the other and then just jump on the bandwagon. And to me, that kind of goes along the lines of mass hysteria. Now, you know, I have chose a side. I've looked at it from both perspectives. But when you weigh out things like 
the, the natives' rights. Big oil trying to keep going when we should really be getting away from oil. Uh, human rights being violated. And then Dapple hiring people to be protesters and cause a ruckus. So in a sense, and this goes along the lines with the media as well. The media is causing so much of a hysteria about this as well and making people, you know, making it worse. So in my opinion, that falls along, along the lines of mass hysteria. Um, another one that I actually came across is, and this actually just happened recently, uh, Charlie, Charlie. And that was going on for, I'd say, well, it's probably still going on, but you heard numerous cases for months when it started in 2015. Well, here's something that I want to mention that's, I think, interesting in regards to uh, the whole oil and everything happening in North Dakota with the mm-hmm. oil and the Native Americans. Um, you know, I, I remember when it first began, and you posted a couple things on Facebook, Shelly did as well, and a few others I've seen, you know. Uh, but it's mostly like these memes or just a, a little article with a comment saying, why is this not being brought up in the media? You know, why is the news not covering this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so then eventually news, the news catch winds, yeah. catch wind. And what happens? They kind of blow things out of proportion. They change size. They manipulate the story so to get more viewers. And therefore, again, it's all about money, bring in more money. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting because now we have people who are complaining about how the media is wrong and how, you know, they twisted the story and this and that. And it's like, but at the same time, these same people brought it on themselves by trying to get the media in on it because they don't know how the media works in the first place, at least here in America. Uh, the media in Canada is much better. You know, you, you don't see nearly the same much of crap up in Canada as you do here in uh, North America or in uh, the United States, I should say. So <clears throat> it, it's interesting how people are constantly pointing fingers and blaming one another when really – all of us, to some extent, are to blame ourselves, depending on what, what it is, of course, depending on the story and, of course, the situation, et cetera, et cetera, and whether or not you even had a hand in it. But Yeah. Well, yeah. It. I mean, and that's actually something I wanted to ask you guys is, do you think, like you had brought up the whole fear factor and adrenaline rush, do you think that the population as a whole, maybe even just the United States population, feeds into it so much that it causes mass hysteria? I think that that's a really good explanation. They want to become involved. And, I mean, if you look at the riots that took place in Baltimore and Ferguson and and all of those, you know, there were people involved in that, that, and the things they did that they probably normally wouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a part of a, a belonging, like you said, with the dancing. They mm-hmm. saw people doing it, and then they would do it. Um, some people, I think, just do it to be doing something. No, well, that could be true there, too. They're damn it, get. Yeah, they may get their picture on TV Yeah. or mm-hmm. in the news, you know, a paper. So they go along with it. 
No, and I completely agree. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, I know I keep bringing this up, you know, in regards to money, but in this case, it's just all compensation. You know, people want to be a part of something and the compensation is either meeting other people who are interested in the same thing they're interested in, getting on the television, getting on the radio, getting their photo taken. Uh, you know, it's, it's really sad, but the majority of these people that we see in all the riots that, that have already happened and many to come, I'm sure, most of them are just there just because they want to say, hey, I remember this time in history when I was at this riot for such and such. You know, I've watched a number of different people, uh, news networks asking questions about Trump and Hillary, for example, when they were uh, back when they were running. And most of the people that they asked questions of didn't have answers because they didn't really know anything about Trump or Hillary. And it's like, well, why have you been out here protesting? And they couldn't answer that either. So, you know, I think you're right on the money there, Kay. I think a lot of people just want to be doing something. And in a sense, it's kind of a, a really bad thing because when the riots get out of hand and the police are called in, well, things start going south and it makes everything that much more worse. Mm -hmm. And then people start protesting the protest, you know, and it's like, <laughs> all right. This is just a pile of crud going on here. We got to figure things out, but. Good point. Yeah. Well, the one thing that I wanted to cover, because you had actually brought it up, and I think we'll get in more depth with it next week, is the Orson Welles. Mm -hmm. So I yeah. wanted you to explain that a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> in uh, 1938, Orson Welles decided to do this infamous radio program called The War of the Worlds. And now when it broadcast along all radio, the radio stream, he had no indication that this was a, you know, just a make-believe story. And he purposely wanted to make the story to seem realistic. And so without anyone understanding, and of course people tuning in as well, like later on, would tune in and hear some crazy things about aliens invading Earth. And at first people thought, oh, this is just a you know crazy little radio program. It's just for fun. But then things started getting serious. And they had actors come into the studio and pretend they were getting killed by these aliens and they were under attack and so on and so forth. And it created mass hysteria in America. And at one point, which I thought was really interesting, uh, there was a comment that came out <clears throat> that stated that the night in which this radio program was broadcast, it was considered the night America trembled because over a million people who had tuned in actually began to commit suicide, began going out and getting stuff, uh, 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 supplies and whatnot to barricade themselves in their homes or to get ready to fight the aliens that are coming to dominate America or the world. Uh, it is actually just crazy. And unfortunately, it wasn't until the next day that people learned that the whole thing was a hoax. And of course, at the time, there wasn't too many strong guidelines on radio to prevent something like this from happening. And even Orson Welles himself got into some significant trouble over it. But really, they had nothing that they could have done about it because the guidelines weren't strict enough to keep him from doing such. Uh, and I thought it was just, you know, very interesting. And if anyone, I don't know if anyone has listened to it before, Justin, Kay, have you guys actually listened to the radio program? I have. A Part of it. I have. Yeah, it's so good. Thing, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so good. It's amazing what, you know, this guy, this filmmaker is capable of doing over the radio to create <laughs> just 
so much emotion and stir so many things. And of course, some very bad things happen because of it. Um, and I, I don't think something like this would happen quite the same today because there are stronger guidelines. And I think people, well, that's hard to say because we're talking about mass hysteria. I was going to say, yeah. you know, I don't think people are as gullible, but then again, there's plenty of naive people in this country and even in the world. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just completely insane. And there's a documentary on it as well. Uh, I think it's also called War of the Worlds. Just, you got to check it out if you guys haven't checked it out. Uh, <clears throat> Kate, what do you thought, what have you thought about this particular program? I thought it was pretty intense. Mm-hmm. For that time, because there was, you know, the time of the war, mm-hmm. there had already been the event um, out in L.A. where they had had that UFO sighting. The Battle of L.A. Mm-hmm. And um, there were just so many things that he tapped right in, like Stephen King can tap into that deepest part of your thoughts and your brain and know where your fear zone is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to me, that is exactly what Orson Welles did. But did you know that that War of the Worlds was actually the third broadcast in history to be done to make it sound like it was a live event? I didn't no. know that. Mm-mm. There's two previous to it that were done in the UK. Okay. And they took the same type of heat that Orson Welles did. And I think Orson Welles knew what he was getting into and oh, what yeah. he was doing, but he was a a breaker. He was a leader. He opened the path for those to be able to step into and step up the fear factor. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> yeah, I think what's so inspiring about this is the fact if you – in regards to storytelling, especially, or just doing stuff on the radio, like what we do, you know, on the radio, um, there's really no limitations, you know? Yeah, it, it was all, it was all just so amazing. And it seems so realistic to, you know, even to today, you know, when you listen back to it and you think of the time, it's like, wow, this is really something, you know, like it, if I was living in 1938, I would probably believe the thing was real too, you know, just by the way they, they did it, you know, it, it, they made, they spent so much time really choreographing and rehearsing the story. Um, and, and it's not like they just had random people coming in either. They had actual actors coming in to broadcast. Uh, they worked with the uh, Mercury Theater of the, uh, of the Air, uh, who came in and enacted the Martian invasion, you know, and it's just like, wow, he, you know, it, it's crazy what, what he went through. And yet when we talk about mass hysteria, it's even more amazing how many people were so gullible to give into it. And of course, like you said, Kay, based on the time and what was happening, it only makes sense as to why the hysteria took place, you know, why it spread as it did. Yeah, and if you notice, too, even with the movie, we -hmm. have two War of the World movies. Mm -hmm. And the first one sticks to what Orson Welles was trying to achieve in the studio. The second one with Tom Cruise, right. you have to look at that as a totally different movie. Mm-hmm. It resembles nothing like the original. But if you watch the new War of the Worlds and listen to the sounds in it, mm-hmm. you pick up sounds that are being heard and reported today 
that people can't explain that they're hearing. Mm -hmm. So that movie tapped into another fear area. Well, I think what that movie did was, I mean, other than just changing a little bit of the story, uh, uh, giving the creative rights, you know, and all that, you know, they're more than welcome to create War of the Worlds, make it in their own image in a sense. But I think tapping into those other sound effects and things that we hear more so today, or people claim to be hearing, really taps into the modern aspect of the War of the Worlds, you know, because it's not 1938 anymore. We're in the 2000s. Are you and sure? So, Are you sure it's not 1938? I, I don't think so. I mean, I, <laughs> It could be. There's time time traveling is going to be one of the next shows we do. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. Somewhere <laughs> down the road. <laughs> somewhere you never know. Hey, for all I know, time might tick back after 2020. <laughs> We're back at like yeah. the first century again. Like, but uh, We're using swords and, and shields. and. Hey, I've been saying that for years. <laughs> I think we should go back to swords and shields, uh, shields and knives. Get rid of the guns. Yeah. Just swords. Be, let, <laughs> be men and women. Go out there fight. And the war, anyway. Um, <laughs> rabbit trails. You know, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I think War of the Worlds, uh, the, the newest one, really just tapped into the modern aspect uh, of what people expect today. You know, fear has changed over the, over the years, over the centuries, over the millennia, et cetera, et cetera, if you mean millennia. Um, so, yeah, you know, as time changes, so does everything else. Everything has to change to stay in pattern with the current uh mindsets of the people no well one thing that and this is getting into what i was going to talk about with the my kind of thought process on this and both you guys can chime in on this uh we've talked about numerous cases and we've all been doing shows that have a supernatural paranormal theme to them and one thing that i had thought about this has been actually since i I talked to Kay about originally doing the show while you were gone was is paranormal activity causing mass hysteria is mass hysteria causing paranormal activity. And, you know, Eric, you and I have done the paranormal research thing and have come across things that can cause in a sense, mass hysteria or what you would call paranormal activity with people thinking they're hearing noises hearing voices, seeing things. Mm -hmm. So my question to both you guys is, do you think it's one or the other? Do you think they can both affect each other? What are your thoughts? You want to go first, Kay? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. I mean, it's like the people in the hospitals um, that, or a school that they say that they've seen an apparition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That appeared and then other people start to see it and I'm thinking that in some cases it's wishful thinking mm -hmm. they want to see whoever it is that they love get better so they create this image in their head and say well but they don't realize they're doing it they <laughs> think they saw an apparition walk in a room and then their loved one is healed um, or they see the spectral um, in a in the school, and that will spread. And it could also be attention. They want, you know, they can say, "Well, I saw this," and then everybody goes, "You did? Wow, that's cool. Where did you see it?" And then everybody else starts to see it. Right. So I think it depends on the mental makeup of the person. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think I, I think to an extent I agree with you on that. I think also it it really is a two way street here. You know, we've talked about opening doors in the past. Sometimes doors open on their own, though. Um, you know, I think a lot of people think, oh well, spiritual elements, you know, whether in this case we'll say demonic entities, will only come to if you open the door to them. But that's not always the case, you know. Uh, we know for a fact that. Job in the Bible never opened the door to Satan, and yet Satan showed up at his doorstep numerous times. Uh, and we see that a couple times throughout the Bible. Um, and so I think it's, even though I think some of it is all met, like just in their mind, they might see an apparition that it, sorry, apparition that isn't really there. I think there's other instances in which people, uh, kind of let their guard down, you know, uh, especially adults, you know, kids, we, we say in the paranormal a lot that kids are more open to experiencing paranormal activity because of their innocence, basically. You know, they don't have that guard up or that filter, uh, where adults, on the other hand, do have a filter. But I think when enough stories come through or someone that you know or you're really close with says, hey, I witnessed such and such, well, now that filter's down because you're thinking, can it be real? Does it really exist? And then maybe that door opens to you as well. Uh, so, yeah, I do think it can go both ways. I think it's a two-way street. So do you guys think it can be environmental as well, like affecting, like, for example, like I talked about the, the paranormal research, like massive amounts of electromagnetic waves causing people to, to see things and that sort of thing. Do you think environmental over maybe spiritual or mass hysteria is a factor as well? Yeah, I think it can be. Um, and I, and I think it depends on, you know, the exact definition of environmental, but if we're talking about like uh, electromagnetic fields, for example, or, or, you know, things like that. I mean, it's man-made environmental, but right. it's man-made environmental, but you know, nonetheless, it affects the body and there's scientific proof that it affects the body and the mind in certain ways when exposed to too much. Right. Uh, another sense of environmental, and this is something I witness quite often. And I'm <laughs> sure you know, Justin, because I write horror films. Right. That's my thing. I love writing horror. Uh, and so I'm constantly, online looking at different images and stuff to feed my mind which isn't always a good thing but for the story purpose it is <laughs> but those images you know they affect me you know they do and there's times where i'll have nightmares because of them or i'll you know just have certain feel certain emotions because of it because i'm so deep into some of the stories that i start living out the story in my own mind and i'm like i'm there oh so, i've, yeah, I I've read case, horror books or seen horror movies where i dream that i'm either in it or something to that effect is 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 making me have these weird dreams. So yeah, yeah. I, I hear you. There. And so you know, in that case, it's like that's your that's part of your environment. You're allowing that to be part of your environment, whether it's online or a book or something. And then you're becoming part of that environment. You know, you're kind of entering it. So mm. yeah, I, I think in regards to based based on what your definition of environment is, environment definitely plays a huge factor. When I was a kid and I would have nightmares, the way that helped me deal with them was to think I was watching a movie. Mm -hmm. And that helped me because, you know, as a, as a kid, there's that you get into like a stare, a, a, a type of hysteria with that. If you are used to having nightmares and then you wake up screaming, but if you can get your mind to think that you're just watching a movie, mm -hmm. it's all rewiring the brain. Now, is that when you say that, is that uh, 
like in your dream, you're trying to think of yourself as watching a movie or after you've woken up, you think of it as just being a movie? In the dream. In the dream. Okay. So, so in this case, lucid dreaming, and that's assuming, you know, the individual can actually have a lucid dream. And I know like, you know, not everyone does, you know, I kind of go back and forth. Sometimes I have a lucid dream. Sometimes I just can't make a single decision and I'm stuck in whatever situation <laughs> I'm stuck in until I wake up. Uh, and it really sucks. But yeah, I mean, in those cases, like if you naturally have a lucid dream, especially in something like a horror, you know, a nightmare, uh, like something that you said there, Kay, I think is, is really cool that, that you're able to think such a thing and then just think of it as a movie because it really does, it probably really does help and did help you. Um, it did. Yeah. You know, it's a, as an adult, uh, especially since I've been doing the ministry and I've gotten so close to God, you know, sometimes we, well, a lot, we get messed with by the dark side. And mm-hmm. they will, well, I know you both know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And they'll penetrate your sleep state. Mm-hmm. And I have actually rebuked Satan in my sleep. Mm-hmm. And boy, does that take an effort. And I've had a sore throat for days because I was struggling so hard to do the rebuking and say the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. It's funny you bring that up because Eric has a particular dream in particular that I, I remember that he was he was praying in his sleep and rebuking in his sleep and woke up like mid sentence and yelling it out loud and Eric remembers what I'm talking about. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> so wow. it, that's actually kind of interesting that you bring that up. Um, yeah, it works. It, it does. And you know that that kind of gets into a whole other box of worms is like, and you know it kind of goes into nightmares versus night terrors and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know it's kind of hard when you're having either a nightmare or a night terror uh, to understand really what's causing it because there have been dreams that I've had in particular, which, you know, I've talked to you, Eric, about that a lot of my dreams have come become stories for me to write because either they were so vivid that I can still remember them or they're, they're along the lines of, holy crap, that would make a great book. And I've never read a book that on this particular uh, subject or right. storyline. So right, right. it's, it's just one of those things. And I don't know if we'll ever, you know, come to a conclusion as to how do you tell or, you know, what, what is affecting you when you're dreaming. So it's interesting to, to think about that as well. And that might play into a mass hysteria thing as well, because there are a lot of people that, have never had nightmares or they know a friend who's having nightmares, then they start having nightmares. Then they tell somebody else, then that person starts having nightmares. So it's kind of a, a vicious cycle. I want to ask you to, you, you both have made me remember something that caught my attention a couple years ago. It was going around on the internet. There was a, a sketch of a man and it said, have you seen this man? And this guy was showing up in different people's dreams, or they would interact with him in real life, and it was causing a um, mass hysteria 
mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't know, you know, was going on. But the ones who did or visited this website, then they started saying, well, yeah, I've seen that guy. Or they'd see the picture and then come back and say, well, I just saw that guy today. And um, the guy wasn't good. He was not a good person, but I don't know if the website is still up or not, but it's, have you seen this man? Hmm. Another yeah, weird one. Yeah. Well, and, and that kind of reminds me of, and Justin and I, you, you know, we talked about it a few weeks ago, but Slender Man, you know, with that story. You know, that, that's something that began as just a simple little story that some, some guy jotted out. And uh, it, it really has spread to the point of murder, you know, in, in at least one case. But people have claimed to dream about him or have nightmares about him or that they witnessed him uh, in their house or in the woods or wherever they were. You know, it's it's interesting because I think it's more so the imaginative state of a person's mind uh, and perhaps the gullibleness in which people just happen to see things that aren't really there, but they believe that they're there, you know, Um and it's hard to say one way or another because most of the descriptions are always eyewitness accounts. There's never videotape. There's never pictures, et cetera, et cetera. And even if we did have video or pictures, it's difficult to decipher whether or not they've been tampered with, you know, without having a special a special eye or a special uh, uh, software to debunk it. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I think what's interesting is a lot of people just go about life solely depending on people's other people's understandings and views of certain things, which then causes us, for myself, for, for example, uh, to believe the same thing instead of researching it myself or really saying, oh, wait, this is just a story. There's no need to get all bent out of shape about this. Um, like an urban legend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are so many of those, and that's how I saw Slender Man starting out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, you even see pictures online. Mm-hmm. That say, does this person, you know, look like the Slender Man? And he's back in a play yard or a playground. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, and it's just kind of goes along the lines of the uh, the story of Cthulhu as well. Mm -hmm. It was a story by H.P. Lovecraft, and you know. it goes along to the lines of, you know, what inspired him to do that. He did write a lot of, about a lot of dark things. So, and it's become such of a life of its own that you never know anymore. <laughs> you just never know what what is going to happen. So, in a sense, all of that falls under mass hysteria because we're we're feeding into it and just making it this huge thing. So it's hmm, interesting to think about because now my mind's kind of going in a million places. I wanted to ask you guys, um, we're all too young to have been alive during the McCarthy era. Mm-hmm. But are you too I'm a time traveler. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, it's... I found that one interesting because I find so many similarities uh, as to what's going on today. Uh, They had people turning their friends, their neighbors, their families in, saying that they were communists. 
And now we have the movement going on that if you think that your neighbor or your family or there's a person that could be involved with different activities, that they want you to turn on them. Mm -hmm. See, back when this was going on with uh, McCarthyism, it was a mass hysteria thing. It spread Mm -hmm. like wildfire. It ruined so many people's lives because once they were accused of being a communist, they never got their reputations back. Mm -hmm. And that's what I feel that is trying to be achieved today. And a lot of people aren't willing to they're shoveling it under the rug. Well, it's interesting because I mean, there's an old saying that's, that is simply history repeats itself. Um, and we saw similar th- you think of similar things back in uh, Jesus's time, you know, a little over 2000 years ago in which people were pointing out uh, certain Christians, you know, the Jews were pointing out certain Christians to be uh, basically to become martyrs. You know, they, they wanted them slaughtered, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. And we see it repeated over and over and not always the same, slightly different but still similar uh throughout time and i think it's interesting because jesus actually touches on it because he says that many things are going to happen over and over you know the end of the world isn't going to just happen there's going to be uh uh uh, what's the word i'm looking for Uh, like birthing pains or something like that you know um earthquakes and certain conspiracy etc etc wars and famine and so on and so forth are going to happen over and over don't think it's the end of the time because these things have to happen before the end. Uh, and Jesus even goes on to say that he tells uh, us Christians, don't call conspiracy everything that people call conspiracy. Because conspiracy is just that. It's a conspiracy. There's no truth behind it. It's just something that people want to believe. And Jesus specifically tells us, don't believe those things. Because those are the type of things that are going to pull us away from him. Um and get us focusing on things that just we really don't need to be focusing on. So, yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because we are going through something similar like that. And, you know, another 100 plus years from now, we'll probably be going through it again, if not sooner. It, you know, and it's true. It's you ongoing. Know, it, it's yeah. ongoing. It's constantly going to happen until the end of time. Uh, and I think in a way, uh, and this is maybe a little difficult for some people to take, it's part of God's plan to set people off balance because only the true sheep of God are going to make it to the end. Others, however, are going to constantly be like, oh, it's the end times because such and such is happening. Okay, it's not the end times. Wait, no, it's the end times again. Oh, no, still not. All right, I guess it's never going to end. God must not exist because the end hasn't come like he says it was. And now those people are lost. But others will hold on and say, no, God said that these things are going to happen time and time again. Not to worry about the end time because we're never going to know when it's going to happen. He's going to come in like a thief in the night. We'll be unaware. It's going to happen, boom, like that, and we'll never see it coming. So, you know, it, it, I think it's one of those things where we got to, instead of focusing on like, oh, my gosh, you know, the, our current situation is so bad and so on and so forth. It's okay. Look into the past. There have been millions of people who have been through the same exact thing, and look where we're at today in 2017. We've made plenty of progress, and progress is going to be made in the future. So it's like just hold on tight. We'll get through it. Simple as that. I mean, I know it's difficult, but it's simple at the same time. Just be prepared. Yeah. You know, and you you brought up Jesus, and, you know, when he's standing there with uh, Pontius Pilate, 
and he's already been scourged and they ask him or ask the people whether they who they want to set free um, Barabbas or Jesus mm-hmm. and that was the type of a mass hysteria because these people were losing their mind and you know they said to crucify Jesus and release Barabbas mm-hmm. so you had people that were there that were wanting Jesus to live and then you had the others that wanted to crucify him mm-hmm. and when you look like look at that with the way that you've presented things too it it is just a continual where you have one side against another side and it's just a hysteria yeah yeah absolutely <clears throat> all right folks we're going to go ahead and take our second and last break of the evening we are currently talking with Kay carswell about mass hysteria we will be right back after justin's paranormal headlines Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, Yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? (laughs) The Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And now, Heritage Radio's Paranormal Headlines. How's it going, para-fans? Justin here with your Paranormal Headlines, and these headlines are from unexplainedmysteries.com. Creature photographed in garden at night. A Reddit user has uploaded an image of what appears to be a strange figure running through a garden. The photograph is one of two images that were taken by a light-sensitive camera approximately two seconds apart. The earlier of the two pictures, however, didn't show anything unusual. Nobody who was present saw anything in the garden at the time, and the anomaly only showed up on the image afterwards. According to the uploader, the photograph was taken by an elderly couple who had no knowledge of Photoshop or other image manipulation techniques. Intriguingly, the creature even appears to have a shadow, so if it really wasn't added to the image afterwards, then there must have actually been something physically present there at the time. This one strikes close to home, so I'd be interested in what you listeners think of this. Man tracks Bigfoot for over seven miles. Experienced tracker Christopher Bauer followed a set of large footprints for miles across North Dakota. The incident occurred near Ellendale, Dickey County at Christmas after a family friend of Bauer reported seeing a large creature out of her kitchen window. She described him as a huge, hairy, ugly monster, and I guess that kind of describes it. If a Sasquatch is looking through the window at you, that's how I'd describe him too, he said. 
Bauer set off to track the creature through the snow, but soon found that its footprints, which measured 18 by 8 inches, went on for more than 7 miles. Picked up the trail down that way about 20 yards in, right in the open, and then crossed the highway and made his way to the hills, I think, he said. He has a four-foot stride, and when he hits, he makes a deep impression. So it really wasn't hard to track him. It really wasn't. Sadly, though, despite following the trail for miles, Bauer ultimately failed to locate his quarry. The truth is out there. It's there. I know he is. I tracked him, he said. And this has been Justin with your Paranormal Headlines. This was a segment of Paratruth Radio's Paranormal Headlines. Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. I'm Justin. And I'm Kay. And we are talking about mass hysteria. Indeed, it has been quite an interesting subject, and I hope that with all of our talk of mass hysteria, we are not creating mass hysteria. (laughs) (laughs) If so, we're sorry. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of goes along the lines of, I mean, and I know folks were media but I consider us alternative media. <laughs> so, uh, yes. yeah, it, it, it's kind of interesting to, to really hash it out because you don't really know what is causing it, but at the same time, we're kind of all causing it. So it's, it's one of those things. And, you know, one thing that we really didn't touch on is, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement the all lives matter movement going against each other. It just falls under that same category of mass hysteria and not just the media feeding into it, but us as a community feeding into it. So it's, it's just hard to determine, you know, are we feeding into it, which is causing it even more, or is it making mass hysteria? What, what is the actual, equal equation uh end of the equation i guess is what i'm trying to say so super interesting uh we could probably go on for hours and hours about this but uh we are getting close to the end of the show so Kay, uh before we get off the air for the evening i wanted to give you a chance as always to tell everybody where they can find you find the show and anything new that's going on with uh, you and Chad or the, uh, the uh, network. Oh, okay. Thank you. Well, I have deception detection radio network and host with my buddy, Chad Riley, the deception detection radio show. And then I also have a new broadcast called soul preppers. And Deception Detection talks about everything in relation to the Bible, about what's going on today, uncovering uh, different mysteries or lies in relation to the prophecies of the Bible. And Soul Preppers 
is all about getting your soul ready for the end times. How do we get through these days that we're in? How do we get through those birth pangs? And that's what that's all about. And uh, But I have Chad with me on deception detection, and he's awesome. So, hey, Chad. And then if you want to find me, you can find me on Facebook under Kay Carswell or just in the Deception Detection Radio Group. If you want to write me, you can write me at Deception Detection Radio, all one word, at yahoo.com. And I love to hear from listeners. A new episode is aired every Sunday of Deception Detection Radio. And I'm trying to do every other Wednesday for soul preppers, but I'm still getting into that routine. So take a listen, like it, subscribe it, and share it. And thanks, guys, for having me on so much. (laughs) I love Paratruth. Oh, thank you. We love Deception Dissection as well. And we love you. you. And we're really happy that you guys are expanding a little bit, especially because of the soul preppers. Um, you know, one thing that I have been saying over the past couple of weeks, folks, is, you know, the research only starts here. It doesn't end here. So do the research for yourself and even let us know your thoughts on it. If you find different things that we don't, we still love learning about it. Get in contact with us with that. You know, you can go to our website, paratruthradio.com, and message us there. And just like Kay, we are on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, You know, we're all over the place. You can comment on YouTube or on Spreaker. And uh, just reach out to us. We love hearing from our listeners. Kay does as well, so get in contact with her. And, uh, yeah, I think we've pretty much covered what we can on mass hysteria guys so that's our mass hysteria episode next week uh we're going to be kind of going a little more in depth into the orson wells war of the worlds and i i am kind of looking forward to this because it's i mean we just kind of touched the tip of the iceberg with this so stay tuned for that tune into deception detection radio and just do all the research you can from any aspect that you're coming from and get in contact with us, and we would love to talk to you guys. So until next week, folks, where you will find us, same time, same channel. My name is Justin. I'm Eric. And I'm Kay. Peace. Do you love Paratruth Radio? Do you feel Paratruth Radio is worth at least a dollar? Then check out our Patreon account. Go to paratruthradio.com, click on the contact tab, and click on our Patreon link. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Paratruth Radio, and you would like to listen to it again, or are interested in listening to any of our past episodes, then you can listen to them on HD at our website, paratruthradio.com. And you can also find us at Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, and YouTube. And of course, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for brand new updates of our show every day.
In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 Kat. Oh, come on. It wasn't come that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that helped shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. 